Hey, this is Paul Tomko, and you're listening to episode 13 of the Anti-Aging Lifestyle. Look, you only get one shot at this thing called life. And your lifestyle, the decisions you make every day, are either making you age faster or slower. Anti-aging is my passion. My goal is to give you the tools to live a long, healthy life. And of course, make sure you look good along your journey. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to use this podcast to help find those answers so we can all live our best life. Let's get started. All right, episode 13, here we go. So for those of you that follow along my social media, I'm sure you probably realize that recently I was in Taiwan. I went to Taiwan for about a week and a half. I just came back um, almost two weeks ago now. And, you know, my mother is Taiwanese, so I feel very close to the Taiwanese culture. This is the second time that I went to Taiwan this year alone. And in the future, I definitely plan to spend more time in Taiwan. Just I love the culture. I love the people. I think it's a beautiful island. You know, this is the first time that I went to Taiwan since I started this podcast, this anti-aging lifestyle podcast. So, of course, this time around, more than previous times, you know, there's something called the reticular activating system, RAS, in your mind that basically is the part of your brain that tells you what's important. So whatever you focus on, whatever, whatever you care about or whatever you're studying, whatever you're reading about, That's telling your brain what is now important to you. And then when you go out into the real world, into life, anything that you see or hear or do that is similar or identical to what you are reading about, what you're listening to, your brain automatically focuses on that and kind of blurs out other things because your brain thinks, okay, you're reading about this, you're learning about this, it's in your mind regularly, so this must be important to you. So long story short, my RAS is now these days focused on anti-aging. So when I'm in Taiwan this time, I was I was just noticing things, things that I thought were really good about anti-aging. Like, wow, I wish we did more of this back in the States. Or there's other things, other lifestyle things that I saw that I saw. And I was like, oh, that's that's actually not too good. That's not very healthy. And I'm glad we don't do that more in the States. You know, people always joke around about how Asians age really well. You know, they say an Asian in their 20s and 30s and 40s and sometimes even 50s, they look almost the same. They look really good. They look much younger than, you know, their Caucasian counterparts or other parts of the world. But then when they get to 60 or 70, there's like a a flip that happens where they go from looking really young to all of a sudden really, really old. (laughs) Now, I don't know how true that is. In general, I do believe Asians do tend to age better, at least from an external standpoint. But I decided to look into the actual science and see what the numbers were in terms of obesity in Asian countries, particularly Taiwan, compared to other parts of the world. So I found a couple of studies. Most of them were based on BMI, your body mass index. Now, your BMI is a score that is your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. Sounds com- kind of complicated, but it's it's actually not. So, for example, my weight is 220 pounds. To make that into kilograms, I'm exactly 100 kilograms. 
My height is 6'2", which is 74 inches. Multiply that by 2.54, and that'll give you centimeters. So I'm 188 centimeters. Now that's 1.88 meters. So again, BMI, kilograms divided by meters squared. So my weight in kilograms is 100 kilograms divided by my height in meters squared, which is 1.88 times 1.88. And my BMI is 28.3. Now on the BMI scale, that is telling me that I am almost obese. Now, of course, the BMI is a good general guideline for whether you're, you're average or you're obese or overweight or underweight. But of course, it's only using your weight and your height. It's just a ratio. And if you're lifting weights, if you have some muscle or a decent amount of muscle mass, that is going to increase your weight, which the BMI doesn't see the difference between fat and muscle. So it's automatically going to think that you're fatter. It's going to give you a higher BMI number. Um, so that's just one thing to keep in mind. But for these studies, they use BMI, and that's what we're using. So in America, they considered a BMI between 30 and 35 as being obese. And in America, 33.7% of the population in America is in that range. So 33.7% of Americans are obese. In Taiwan, that number is 7.2%. So we're talking less than a quarter of the amount of people in Taiwan compared to America is obese, which is pretty awesome. Now we look at the very obese uh, range, which is above a BMI of 35. And in America, Americans have a 13.4% very obese uh, percent of the population. So out of everyone that you see in America, 13.4% of them are very obese. In Taiwan, out of the entire population, the very obese percentage is only 1%. So from 13.4% in America to only 1% in Taiwan. So that's pretty awesome. One thing that I found interesting is in some of the Taiwan studies that were done, the Department of Health in Taiwan has a slightly different rating for obesity. They define obesity as anything above a BMI of 27. So in America, you're looking at a BMI over 30. Taiwan defines it by their health department as a BMI over 27. So even their, their standards for BMI are higher than America. You know, they consider anything above 27 as being obese. And even using that rating, only 19% of men in Taiwan and 13% of women in Taiwan are obese using the Taiwan scale. And, you know, obesity isn't everything. You can be a bit heavier and still be very healthy if you're eating well and moving your body, staying active. But in general, a higher prevalence of obesity is going to lead to things like type 2 diabetes, hypertension, higher triglyceride ratings, lower levels of the good cholesterol, your HDL cholesterol, which is great because it's, it's going through your body, helping cleaning up your body. It's going to lead to lower levels of that good cholesterol. So it is a good indicator that overall, the people in Taiwan are still much healthier than Americans. So what are some things that Taiwanese people do that are good for their health, for their anti-aging benefits? And what are some things that they do that are not so good? Now, some of these things that I'm going to be talking about are more traditionally speaking. There is, There has been a change over the last couple of decades, kind of a westernization of the culture. And I'll talk about that a little bit towards the end. But this is more speaking more traditionally, at least on the island. 
So some good things. In Taiwan, people move a lot. They use their bodies. They're walking a lot. They're riding bicycles. If you go to a park in Taiwan, the park is going to be full of people. You know, last this last time I went to Taiwan, I went to a park called Daan Park. It's a huge park in the middle of the city in Taipei, and I forget which day it was, but it was the middle of the afternoon on a weekday. And I kid you not, this is a large park, granted, but in this park there had to be for sure several hundred people, maybe even a thousand people working out in this park during this afternoon. It was insane. There were people doing yoga, doing martial arts and tai chi, dancing, and just like shaking their bodies, hitting different parts of their legs and arms. It was it was very interesting to watch, but also it made me happy just to see all these people in the park using using nature and working out in nature, and just doing things in a group activity. I mean, compare that to the states, right? Oftentimes, I go to the park here in the states, and I mean, there's people walking their dogs, and there's a couple people working out. <laughs> Oftentimes, it's like the older Asian population that are there doing their workout on the the park equipment that they have at the different parks here in LA where I live. But the parks in general are much less packed, way less people working out. I guess in America, it is a little bit different because. There are so many gyms available, so you can go to those gyms to get your workouts in, to do your Pilates, your lifting weights, your CrossFit, your dance, whatever workouts that you do perform. But still, the difference between how many people were in the parks in Taiwan versus in America was still drastically different, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Another thing is, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but gyms in Taiwan are on the rise rapidly right now, which is awesome. You know, I've been working out in Taiwan at the gyms now for almost 20 years, and 20 years ago, it was very hard to find any kind of decent equipment. I would go to like a local kind of community center, and then have some machines there that I could use. But most of the main gyms, first of all, they're very few and hard to come by. Even in Taipei, the biggest city in Taiwan, you know, there might be one or two gyms that I could, you know, jump on a bus and get to. And even once you got there, they were focused mainly on doing classes or swimming. the The equipment wasn't the best. These days, there are huge gyms opening up, super functional CrossFit gyms, and even in those gyms, the amount of females working out with weights to shape their body in the gyms in Taiwan is super high now. Like this last time I went to Taiwan, there was probably about forty percent of the people in the weight room lifting weights were female, which is amazing. Because you know, ten years ago when I went to Taiwan in the gym, it was probably like ten percent or five percent. Like there are very few females lifting weights, and now whether it's because of social media and online, people becoming more aware how important weights are to a keep you strong and healthy, but also how crucial using weights are to shape your body. I don't know if that awareness has just grown so fast because of social media and people being. Being able to get access to information that they didn't have before, but whatever the reason, it's a very, it's a definitely a plus that more people are using gyms, more people are lifting weights, especially females. Another thing that Taiwan does that's good is their older population tends to stay very active, especially outside the main city, like where my grandma lives. It's a small town in the county of Yilan, Toucheng. Which is about half an hour drive southeast from Taipei, 
And you see a lot of older people in their 70s, 80s, or even older that are still very active in the garden, in the yard. I mean, my grandma was working in our backyard. We have a huge backyard in Tolchin. And she was working, you know, into her 80s every day doing yard work. And it was just normal. I mean, she was squatting down, doing a full squat all the way down and working on the different vegetables. And she'd do that every day. And that, that activity... It's not like you get to a certain age in Taiwan and you just kind of stop doing those things. There's a lot of older people that just keep doing the same work that they did when they were younger. And I think it really helps keep them young and keeps them healthy as they get older. There was one day that I was in Taipei and we were next to Taipei 101 with my parents. And I saw this construction crew that was working on, on a site next to the street. And I see a lady that's hunched over in a construction uniform. And no joke, she had to be at least 80, like at least. Like she was she was pretty, she was definitely old. And she was hunched over, kind of like a hunchback type situation. And she was working. Like she was, she went over to the site, she picked up a piece of wood and moved it around. And I mean, I, I don't know how effective she was necessarily. And I, I, mean, I don't know if that piece of wood needed to be moved. But the point is, she was suited up in a construction outfit and she was working with the crew and she was, you know, by American standards and I think most standards outside of Asia, at least, she was pretty old. And I thought it was awesome. I was like, first, first of all, kudos to her for wanting to work in a manual labor job. And second of all, the fact that she had young, much younger people working with her and they didn't seem like they were judging her. They were just doing their thing and she was doing her thing. I thought that was amazing to see that acceptance of someone that's so much older and still allowing them to work a job, you know, a physical job, even though they were, you know, in their 80s. Another thing that I noticed that I thought was interesting and also pretty cool was in the morning, you're turning on the news and you're watching TV, and there will be a segment of the morning news broadcast that will just show a room full of older adults working out. Like, and I say working out, not like doing weights or anything, but just like moving, like shaking their arms and legs like just moving their arms around, jumping up and down. It sounds weird to talk about, but this is literally on TV, on the news station. And on the top of the screen, it'll say, stand up. And it just, these people are doing these different workouts. And it's it seems interesting to see that on TV. And, you know, but I look at my grandma, I turn around and she's doing the exercises that they're doing on TV. Like she's following along. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is super cool. And I wish, you know, there were American TV stations that would show older people working out, just moving their bodies, moving around, and have that on TV instead of whatever that we typically have, uh, which is not. You know, I've, ne I've never seen a TV show in America that has older people working out and staying active and have that be like a segment of the morning television. Now, another great thing in Taiwan is there are a ton of fresh fruits and vegetables that people consume. Now, partially because, you know, it is an island and there are a lot of rural parts where there's a lot of farmland. So you have access to a lot more fresh vegetables and fruits, oftentimes from your own garden if you live outside the main cities. So, you know, every day I go to the market or I just go to the backyard and there's tons of different varieties that you can be eating, which is super, super healthy for you, of course. Now, there's also a prevalence of natural remedies in Taiwan, which is, which is pretty cool. So if you're getting sick or 
say you have a cold or you want to improve your health, instead of automatically going to the medication, like a lot of times we do in Western culture, there is still a large percentage of the population in Taiwan that believe in a more natural approach. Like this last time I was in Taiwan, I went with my parents to a place called Yuan Shi Dian, and it was basically a studio in Taipei where there is a bunch of massage tables, and people would go there of all different ages for their different health ailments, whether it's like a skin rash or cancer or obesity or diabetes or high blood pressure. There's all these people that would be coming in there. Most of them were were older. And they would go in there and get this treatment, but their treatment was based all around pressure points and massage, you know, different parts of their body focusing on different pressure points. And I thought it was awesome that they had this this place, this center that you could go to, and they weren't giving drugs; they were just using their bodies and using different natural remedies to help improve their health. And some of these people looked really sick. I mean, you know, late stage cancer even. And oftentimes, I feel like in the states, a doctor would be like giving you a, a negative prognosis. You know, you have six months left to live, and and that's not very positive, right? But you see these people that come in here into the center, and they may be at like a, a late stage cancer, but they're still getting treatment. And that center was just so full of hope. Everyone was trying to help each other. All of the center workers were volunteers that were just volunteering to help. Using this Yan Shudian methodology of tr- of healing the body, and there was a lot of success stories actually when you talk to the people of people that would be coming in there, for example, with a late stage cancer, they go in there and they get treatment every single day, and they're changing their diet and they're using this you know this pressure point medicine, pressure point massage, and they would actually heal. They would not die. They would they would almost reverse their cancer. And again, there's no medication. They do believe heavily in ginger, so they drink like a ginger tea. If you have some kind of like rash or kind of skin ailment, they create like a ginger paste and they put that ginger paste on your body and they kind of wrap it up. But it was all natural, no chemicals, no drugs, no medicines, and I thought that was really cool. Another thing that is pretty popular in Taiwan is something called Jin Li Tang, which is. Almost like the literal translation is like an energy drink, and there's these centers, these places that you go, where the you make these like super smoothies. So everyone gets together in this meeting, and they create these smoothies. You know, there's like a Vitamix there, and there's like 50 to 60 ingredients, whether it's veggies, fruits, nuts, seeds, seaweed, all these different things, and they put it into this smoothie. They blend it up. It sounds kind of weird because there's so many ingredients, but they're all superfoods. Like they're all super healthy for you. They blend it up and then they give it to everyone that's there attending. And I mean, 50, 60 plus ingredients, all superfoods, all whole foods that are just blended up and you drink it. And I just thought it was amazing. Like, why don't we have this in the states? So these people just get together. They put you in a little bit of money. They make these superfood smoothies. They make them together. They drink them, and then they go on with their day. And I was like, "Wow, this is awesome." <laughs> also, when speaking about general healthcare, the Taiwan, the healthcare in Taiwan, is one of the best in the world in terms of having cheap healthcare available to all their citizens. Uh, if you look online, I was surprised actually. I didn't know this. But Taiwan's healthcare system is ranked very, very high, normally in the top three out of all the countries in the entire world. 
which is pretty cool. And it sounds like, you know, I've never really gone into a Taiwanese, you know, hospital to get treatment. But based on everything I read online, it's much, much cheaper to get things done in Taiwan than almost any other place in the world. Now, traditionally, another thing that they do better in Taiwan and in general, just Asian cultures, is they take better care of their skin. For the most part, they avoid, you know, high amounts of sun exposure. They're always wearing hats or they have sun umbrellas and they avoid the sun during the middle of the day. And they just take better care of their skin. They're using a lot of skin products, face masks. I mean, I went to the store in Taiwan and just a normal, you know, beauty store. And literally, there were so many face masks. Like you go to you go to like a store in America and you might see like a small section of face masks. In Taiwan, it was like an entire row that spanned across the entire store of face masks. Which, I mean, that's just one example, but it just shows that in that culture, there's more of awareness and acceptance of using different, you know, creams and gels and face masks and remedies to help take care of your skin because it is a little bit different there. You know, the pale skin is is a sign of beauty in Asia, in Japan and China and Taiwan. And having that that pale, smooth, light-colored skin is is valued very highly in, in Asian countries specifically. Now, if you go more into like the rural countryside, you'll, you'll see a lot more people that are in the sun more because they're working in the fields. But that's a little bit different, right? They have a different, different uh, outlook and different goals in life. But if you go into the city, in general, people are taking much better care of their skin. You don't see tanning beds. I mean, I never, I've never seen a tanning bed in Taiwan where you go somewhere and you go and get UV radiation done to your skin just to look darker. It's just not a thing in Taiwan. Like people do not really value having a darker skin complexion. It's all about brightening creams, brightening gels, lightening your skin, perfecting any kind of imperfections in your skin to make it smooth, light, uh, free of wrinkles. They're just much more aware of that. Of course, in the U.S. and other parts of the world, people are kind of catching on now. Everyone's wearing their SPF and trying to take care of their skin more now. But I would definitely say, at least traditionally, Asian cultures were ahead of the curve, ahead of the game when it came to taking care of their skin and keeping their skin healthy as they age. Another great thing that they do in Taiwan is it's a very family-oriented culture. There's a ton of social get-togethers all the time. You know, like I said before, you're going to the park and there's these groups of people. There'd be like a hundred people doing yoga, a hundred people or fifty people doing tai chi together. So there's a very community-like feel with the workouts. You know, staying active together, or getting together with friends and drinking tea, or playing mahjong, or singing KTV. Literally, getting together with your friends and and singing. You know. It's not just going to like a KTV karaoke bar. I'm talking about most people in their homes have a KTV machine, and their friends would just come over and they bring some snacks and some fruit and some tea, and they just sing together. And that's that's pretty awesome. That social, that tight social network with your family, with your friends, is super important for happiness, longevity, and fulfillment. And even you know they have holidays like the grave sweeping holiday, where all your family gets together, and you go to visit the grave sites of your of your elders, and you spend the whole day cleaning. You clean the grave. You pulling all the weeds out. You're making sure everything looks nice again. You're making sure everything looks clean, 
and you're you're doing different offerings. You have fruit. You're burning some money, uh, fake money, <laughs> of course, uh, that they believe goes to the ancestors in in heaven, so that they can use that money to buy whatever they need to buy in heaven. But again, the point is, the whole family is getting together for this day, and they're cleaning the grave, and they're respecting their elders. And, you know, just in general, I feel like there's a lot more respect for elders in Asian cultures. You know, even though you're older in your 80s or 90s even, oftentimes you see these older people, these elderly people, still living at home with their families, with their families taking care of them. You know, they might hire a caretaker from Vietnam or Thailand or Philippines to come to Taiwan and help take care. But very rarely I saw... elderly people just getting sent off to like a nursing home and you know they're still very much a part of the family in Taiwan they're a part of the culture and they're respected all the younger generation look up to the elderly and they take care of them and they value them they don't they're not just kind of neglected into a nursing home and kind of forgotten about which I thought was super awesome and the last thing I have on my list for things that I saw that I thought were good in Taiwan in terms of health and anti-aging was their beds in Taiwan are much firmer. They're very firm. I mean, borderline, I would say, hard. <laughs> like, you lay down on a bed in Taiwan, and you're like, wow, this is, this is pretty, this is kind of hard. This is pretty firm. And that is a good thing versus a very, very soft bed, soft mattress. And I'll talk more about this in an episode where we do on sleep. But having a firm, solid bed is going to be much more supportive to your spine than a soft bed will be. And it also encourages back sleeping, sleeping on your back. Because, I mean, when you're sleeping on a very hard surface, you're not going to be sleeping on your side, on your shoulder. It's just, I mean, it's just too uncomfortable. So you're, you're much more inclined to sleep on your back. And when you're sleeping on your back, your breathing is going to be more natural. You're not going to be creating wrinkles on your face by pressing your face into the pillow all the time. Uh, it just, in general, sleeping on your back is the healthiest position for your health and for preventing wrinkles on your face and on your body than any other position. So I thought having harder sleeping surfaces was actually a good move, and I think it's, it's a beneficial thing for your health. Now, so those are the good things I wrote down that I noticed in Taiwan. So what are some of the bad things in Taiwan? Well, there are definitely a lot of pastries, bread, wheat in their diet. And, I mean, that's no different than any other place, right? In America, there's people eating donuts all the time and breads and, and sandwiches. So that's not too much different. Taiwan is no different in that regard. They do have a lot of pastries and sweets that they do like to enjoy. Another thing that was not good is you notice there's a lot of convenience stores in Taiwan. And, you know, convenience stores aren't great because it's, it gives you an easy way to get, you know, different lunch boxes or snacks or sugary drinks. And I looked it up. Taiwan actually has the second highest ratio of convenience stores per population density in the world. That means they have more convenience stores per person than just about any other country in the world. They're tied pretty much with Japan. And the only country that beats both Japan and Taiwan was South Korea. So again, not ideal, right? You're not going to find the healthiest of foods in convenience stores like a 7-Eleven or a Family Mart, which you see everywhere in Taiwan. You know, oftentimes, if I'm in a pinch and I'm on the move in Taipei or in Taiwan and I need to find something quick, I'll go into one of these convenience stores, but I'll normally have to grab like 
you know, a sweet potato and and a hard-boiled egg or something just to get some quick protein and some healthy carbs. But in general, there's not too many healthy options. Most of it is packaged goods, a lot of noodles, a lot of snacks and beverages that are sweet. So that's not the best for health, right? And one thing I learned also from my online research is the regulation in Taiwan is not as is not as rigid as somewhere in the states where you have the FDA approving all your different, you know, food and beverage labels and nutrition labels and doing the testing. So there is an independent research firm called the the John Tung Foundation that did some research in Taiwan to look at the beverage claims and found that many of them were very misleading because of this loophole, this regulatory loophole that's in Taiwan. So the researchers looked at 31 stores in Taiwan across 18 different beverage companies and they looked at 67 different types of drinks. And what they found was, according to this existing regulation in Taiwan, you only need to list your base liquid, your base ingredient, and those nutrition facts. But you don't need to list any of the added ingredients that you have on top of that base, which is pretty crazy. So you could have like a tea, maybe a tea that doesn't have too much sugar in it, a fairly unsweetened tea, very, very lightly sweetened. But if you're adding in things like tapioca balls or pearls or red beans or these different jellies and toppings, you don't need to add the nutrition to of that stuff to your label. So consumers are basically in the dark in a sense. So one of the examples that they give is you could be looking at a label and the label shows four grams of sugar or you know 16 calories of sugar per 100 milliliters of the drink. And they did their research and they actually found that there is not 4 grams of sugar, but 11.6 grams of sugar, which is 67 calories per 100 milliliters of drink. So not 4 grams of sugar, but almost 12 grams of sugar. And again, I thought that was that was not too good, right? That, that is not a good sign. So that's something to keep in mind if you're buying something in Taiwan, like a beverage, and you are trying to keep your sugar lower, your calories lower to be healthy and you're looking at the nutrition facts, just keep in mind that as of now, with because of a regulatory loophole, they're not they don't have the requirement to list all the ingredients on the label, which is which is crazy, but it's good to be aware of that. Now, like any large city, there is also a decent amount of pollution in Taiwan because there's just so many people, especially in the big cities, right? Anytime you have a crowded city, uh, especially in Asia, you have a lot of scooters, so there's a lot of people riding scooters. If you've never been to an Asian country, it is it is interesting. Like you go to like a stoplight, and in America, you know, you just have your cars kind of lined up waiting for the stoplight. Well, in Taiwan or in Japan, these Asian countries, you know, at the stoplight, there's literally like 20, 30, 40 scooters that are kind of huddled towards the front, ready, waiting for the stoplight. And behind that are all the cars and taxis. So there's a lot more just motors that are burning fossil fuels in Taiwan, which creates more pollution. So that's not the best thing, but it is something that to be mindful of. There's also more smoking, kind of like in Europe and other parts of the world. In Taiwan, there's definitely a higher prevalence of smoking still for the older generation and even the younger generation, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> there's there one time I was walking around and I saw this girl she was just sitting uh, on her phone and she is wearing a face mask which some people do in Taiwan 
especially in the big cities to kind of prevent, you know, breathing too much of the pollution in. And she's wearing a face mask. But while she's wearing a face mask, she was smoking a cigarette. And I was like, uh, like, like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, what are you really doing here? Are you just trying to not take in certain types of pollutants, but giving yourself other types of pollutants? But yeah, so you see a lot more people smoking. I went out to the clubs one night with this, this last time that I was in Taiwan to see some friends. I have a, a couple of Taiwanese DJ friends and they're performing in Taipei. Shout out to DJ Bose. There are two Taiwanese brothers that are DJs. Uh, I met them in LA like four years ago, but they're two brothers, Bernie and Johan, and they're super talented artists. So I went out to support them in Taipei one night when they were performing. They're like the headline performer. And I just thought it was interesting in the club. You know, I don't go clubbing much these days, but the club was full of smoke. I mean, tons of young people in there, tons of them smoking cigarettes in the club. And I just thought that was uh, not ideal. It was not an ideal night for my anti-aging goals, for sure. <laughs> now, there is a focus, like I said before, on natural remedies in Taiwan. But because healthcare and medication is so cheap and readily available in Taiwan, there is also a good amount of medication and drugs that go out to the population. And almost it's almost a negative, too, right? Because... There is a, a kind of a misconception in Taiwan that you can take pills or drugs for a lot of different ailments. So I have, you know, whether it's cousins or my uncles and stuff or my grandma for sure. And these doctors are prescribing all these different medications and drugs for different ailments. Um, and it's it's definitely not good, not healthy. Even if those drugs work, there are going to be side effects. And if those drugs don't work, you're still going to be stuck with those side effects. My grandma in particular is, is getting much older. She's in her mid-80s. But her biggest issue right now, I mean, before she had high blood pressure and she was dealing with diabetes because of, well, there's a lot of factors there. But then the doctors started prescribing her a lot of these different drugs. And those drugs were in such high doses that they damaged her kidneys almost to the point of, I mean, really to the point of non-working anymore. They they're, do not work anymore. So she has to go in for dialysis where you get hooked up, you have to stick these tubes in and they basically flush your system to do the job that kidneys are supposed to do, right? Kidneys are supposed to detoxify your blood and remove impurities from your from your from your bloodstream. And because her kidneys do not work, she has to go to the hospital three, four times a week to get hooked up to this machine for a couple hours and have that machine do the job of your kidneys for kidney dialysis. And Taiwan has a very, very high percentage of the elderly population that is on dialysis. So again, that is probably a sign that the doctors are prescribing drugs in higher doses and quantities than maybe other parts of the world, but definitely something to be aware of. So it's, it's kind of this, this, di this dichotomy, right, where there's a large part of the population that believes in natural remedies and kind of the the Eastern philosophy of using acupuncture and, and massage and, and natural foods to heal the body, which is great. But because healthcare is also cheaper in Taiwan, there's also a large percentage of the population that relies heavily on drugs and listening to their doctors to take these prescription drugs and medications, which are not good. So those are some of the bad things that I noticed in Taiwan. Now, things are changing too. I mentioned this earlier. Over the last 20 or 30 years, there's definitely been a more westernization of Taiwan 
and especially with the younger population where you know they're eating a lot more fast foods and convenience store foods they're much more sedentary they're on social media their phones a lot i mean regardless of where you go in the world more people are on their phones these days than ever before and on social media but also a lot of mobile games you know i, I took the subway the mrt quite a bit in taiwan and just just sitting there looking around first of all everyone's on their phone which again isn't is not unique to taiwan but it's just interesting to see the fact that everyone was on their phone and there's a lot of people a lot of these kids that are playing these mobile games and uh, it's not like america's perfect right i'm sure a lot of people out here are playing mo- mobile games too but it's just something that i just saw a lot of people playing games on their phones when they're taking the mrt and you know again that's not unique to taiwan but just the westernization more convenience stores more more western foods and packaged goods are coming in more mcdonald's are opening up more kfc's more fast food and of course with social media and technology yeah more people spending time on their phones and playing mobile games which is which is all not good for your health but yeah that kind of wraps things up for this episode i hope you enjoyed it we talk about some of the good things in taiwan staying active eating fresh fruits and vegetables staying you know together with your family and doing social events with your friends family getting together is very very important very good for your health the focus on natural remedies whether it's natural massage or acupuncture or using whole foods and kind of creating medicines based from nature using ginger or these super smoothies are all really really good things sleeping on a hard surface a very firm surface that supports your spine These are all beneficial things for your health, taking care of your skin, avoiding that sun exposure, using these different, you know, creams and face masks to kind of take care of your skin and keeping it hydrated as you get older. These are all great things that we can do, you know, living in the states. These are lessons that we can learn that can help improve our own health and our own anti-aging goals no matter where you live in the world. So that's it for episode 13. I hope you enjoyed that kind of Taiwan recap. If you haven't been to Taiwan before, I highly highly recommend it. It's a beautiful island. It's so so green. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit more pollution in the city, but if you get outside the main cities, and it does rain a lot too, so that the air does get clean pretty regularly. And it's a beautiful island. There's so much green, so much hiking that you can do. Beautiful tea houses along the coast. The MRT and the transportation system is amazing. So if you're in Taipei, you can get around very easily on their subway system. There's tons of taxis available. There's high-speed trains that go along both the western and the eastern coastlines. And it's just a super fun, super awesome time going to Taiwan. The people are super friendly. Everyone is very, very nice. And yeah, anyways, if you haven't been to Taiwan, I highly recommend it and I know you'll love your your trip. So that's it for episode 13. Now we're going to roll into Tomko tip number 13 where I talk about the importance and the power of living a minimalist lifestyle. Stay tuned. Here we go. So today on Tomko tip I want to talk about the importance and the power of living a minimalist lifestyle. Now, what does minimalism mean? It means not buying things that you don't need, focusing on not having more things but less things so that you can enjoy 
and focus on what really matters in life. Because it's a slippery slope, right? When you buy stuff, sometimes you want to buy more stuff. And social media does not help this, right? Because you go on social media and you see the people, the celebrities, the business people that have nice cars, nice houses, tons and tons of nice things. And you, you almost get it twisted in your mind that that's what's important in life, that buying those nice things are going to make you happy. But it's a very, very slippery slope, right? Because you buy stuff, then you want to buy more stuff. You want to buy better things. You buy a car and you, you see your neighbor buys a nicer car, a newer car, and you want to have that too. But again, it's a very slippery slope because all that stuff you have to pay for. So the more stuff that you're buying, the better stuff, the bigger house, the nicer cars, the nicer furniture, the more that you're buying, the more you have to work to sustain that lifestyle. So you're buying more stuff, but then you have to work more hours. You have to work that overtime. You need, you need to work hard to get those bonuses. And before you know it, it's a trap. It, it's a, it's, it can be a trap for many people where you're buying all these things and then you have to work a ton, oftentimes at a non-fulfilling job, just to pay for all the crap that you're buying. And you have to ask yourself, like, are these things really bringing me long-term happiness? Maybe happiness in the, in the short term, right? You buy this nice sports car, you jump in it, you drive around. Yeah, this is, that's probably going to be pretty fun. But long term, a month later, a year later, is that is that car still bringing you joy? And if you couldn't afford it in the first place and now you're working an extra job just to pay for that freaking car, you're probably going to honestly resent the car more than enjoy it because it's a liability. It's not an asset to your life. So when I ask myself, you know, what makes me happy? For me, for me, I'm happiest when I'm free, when I have freedom to explore my passions, when I have freedom to improve myself, when I can read books and study, watch videos, improve myself, improve my intelligence, work out, be healthy, when I can travel the world and explore different cultures, when I can be free to pursue things that I'm really passionate about, whether it's my health, my podcast, whatever it is that I'm doing. When I have that freedom, I'm happiest. You know, I used to work a job that was, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. If you include the commute, you know, that's 50, 60, sometimes 70 hours a week that I was working a job that I wasn't passionate about. So these days, I try to find things and do things, spend as much time as possible doing things that make me happy, doing things that I'm passionate about. So that's something that you should ask yourself. How much of the week do you spend doing something that you truly love, doing something that you're passionate about? Is it only a couple hours a week or is it the majority of your week? And if it's not a good portion of your week, if you spend most of the week doing things that you do not enjoy, that do not bring you happiness, you should ask yourself why. Why am I spending my life this way? Why am I spending most of my time doing things that I do not enjoy? And then think about different ways that you can kind of reverse that ratio. You know, once you have that awareness, like, wow, okay, now I now have the awareness that most of my week I'm doing things that I do not enjoy. How do I change that so that most of the week I'm doing things that I enjoy? And one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things you can do to have more time, to have more time to do things that you enjoy, to that where you can learn and grow, is by cutting down your expenses, cutting back on the things that you buy, having less things, having the essentials but not having these big expenses, not having the big car payments or the big mortgage payments that are draining you every single month, every single paycheck. 
And once you have that freedom, once you stop trying to buy more things all the time and take a step back and simplify your life, minimize your life, you're going to find you have a lot more freedom. You don't need to work as many hours. You're going to have more free time. They can do whatever you want to do. And that, to me, is definitely the key towards true happiness. Having freedom. Having freedom to do what you want with your life. To travel where you want to go. To learn what you want to learn. And not getting sucked into this, this very, very slippery slope. This black hole where you're buying more things. Buying more things. Buying nicer things. Trying to keep up with everyone else on social media. And then to pay for all those things, you have to work more. Work more. And work more hours at oftentimes an unfulfilling job. So that's one pitfall that I fell into, you know, in my early 20s. And it's a pitfall that I was aware of. I became aware of it and I I took actions. They were not always easy actions, but I took actions to change my life around, to flip the ratio so that I spend most of my week these days doing things that I enjoy doing. And I hope the same for you. Now that's it for Tomco tip number 13. If you haven't yet, please leave a review for me on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps me grow the show. And until next time, thanks. Love you guys.